You know, I've never been much of a betting man, mostly because I'm really bad at it and I don't like losing money. But I bet a good many of us here today have, have heard this story or a version of the story that we just read. It's called the multiplication of the loaves or the, the feeding of the 5,000. It's a story of thousands of people coming to hear the teachings of Jesus. And he miraculously multiplies five loaves of bread and two fish and feeds all of them. It's one of the most well-known, well-loved stories in the New Testament. Remember, in the New Testament, there are four books that we call gospel books, and they're named after their authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're called gospel because they're about the ministry of Jesus, the, the death of Jesus and his resurrection. It's his ministry of love and, and reconciliation. It's his death that brings forgiveness and his resurrection that brings peace and hope. It's gospel. It's good news. And in all four of the gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is this story of the multiplication of the loaves. You see, each gospel author had, had his own viewpoint. He had his own way to describe God's truth and, he, and his own episodes of the ministry of Jesus that he wanted to highlight. But this event, feeding 5,000 from five loaves and two fish, is in every gospel account. That's actually pretty rare. Let me give you an example. Only two books, or 50%, contain a story about the birth of Jesus. Now, the, the birth of Jesus, what, what we call Christmas, is, is kind of a big deal, right? And yet, only two books contain a story about the birth. The death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, those are in all four. And so is this story. That's the kind of impact this event had on the gospel writers. So I think for us now, it invites us for a careful reading and study. So let's get a little context. Before this event begins, just before this event takes place, two very significant things happen. The first, the 12 apostles, the 12 men hand-chosen by Jesus, had just returned from their first short-term mission trip. Remember, we, they went two by twos to, to preach that people should repent. And then scripture says this. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. How's that for a mission trip? You know, I recently got back from a mission trip in, in Rockport, Texas. And, and our main job site was working on a house. I was uh, putting up a new roof on the, on the house. And it was great. It was, it was a good service. But... You know, we didn't really go out two by two and preach that people should repent. And, and to my knowledge, no demons were cast out and no one was miraculously healed. But these guys, these apostles, that's what they did. They went out to preach repentance. And it, it seems that these signs of casting out demons and healing was, was actually pretty common for them. So they're just returning. They definitely need rest. They probably need to talk some things out, right? And then they meet Jesus. And so that, that's one thing that has just happened before this episode. The other thing, John the baptizer, the cousin of our Lord Jesus Christ, was just killed by beheading, by the order of the king of Israel. 
Let's remember that, that John is this great transitional character. He's, he's the last prophet of the Old Covenant and the first in the New. So maybe in the professional ministry mindset of Jesus, he's, he knows that one very long, very great chapter is closing and a new one is beginning. In a very personal way, his cousin was just killed violently. Now, while Jesus is trying to retreat with his disciples to debrief them from the mission trip, to, to grieve and cry over the, lo- the loss of John, thousands of people see them getting into a boat. And these, these thousands of people then travel several miles, probably at a very quick pace, because it says they actually reach the destination before Jesus gets there. So here's the first lesson that we can draw today. People are hungry for community. We hunger to belong. Look at the apostles. They went out two by two, and now they need to regroup. They need to get back into their tight-knit, small community. And then the crowd. Thousands of people know that Jesus and his disciples have power to heal and power to cast out. And maybe some of them are trying to make sense of what just happened to John the baptizer. But they, they seek out Jesus in this makeshift community. People hunger for community. We need community. Even though Jesus is tired and he's grieving, he receives them. He has compassion on them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. Because they were a herding community with no leader. So he begins to teach them many things. After the teaching a problem arises. It's getting late in the day. It's a remote place. It's a lonely place. So what do the apostles say? They, they say, send them away. Dismiss them so they can go get something to eat. I want you to notice here that the apostles are speaking the voice of sin. The movement of sin is always in the direction of dispersion. We actually get our word devil from the Greek word meaning to disperse, to scatter, Scattering is always the work of sin. So the apostles here, even though with the best of intentions, even still, they're speaking the voice of scattering. Send this community away. Dismiss them. Every man for himself, to each his own. That's the voice of sin. What's the voice of grace? Bearing each other's burdens in love. Bearing each other's burdens in love. That's the voice of grace. That's the voice of God's kingdom. That's the voice of God's communion, his community. And Jesus is always the voice of grace, always the voice of the community. You know, one of the main job descriptions of the the Messiah, one one of the main things that the Messiah was supposed to do was to gather Israel, to gather the people of God. When Jesus comes into Jerusalem for the last time, just... Days before his death, here's what he says. O city of God, how I have longed to gather you together. Jesus is all about community. So here in this episode, he is gathering the people together, thousands of people together, and he's keeping them together. The apostles say, disperse them, send them away, every man to himself. And Jesus, the voice of grace, the voice of community, says no. 
No breaking up the group. We, we stay together, especially now because they are hungry, because they are grieving, because they are hurting. We are in this together, so let's do this together. Everybody needs community. And to be perfectly blunt, we can find community wherever we want. Whatever hobby you have, whatever interest you have, whatever need or passion you have, I bet you can find a community for you. And, and that's good. As I've been saying, we, we all need community. But the only community that will last forever, the only community whose sole founding member is the maker of all things visible and invisible is the church. Let's remember that the word church just means community. It means an assembly, a gathering, a, a community. The founder and head of our community is Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And here's why that's so life-changing. Jesus, as the great shepherd of the sheep, is the way. Left to ourselves, we will get lost in life. Whether in small ways or big ways, we can stand at, at a crossroad and, and just and not know where to go. We can be on a journey, we can be on a path, and, and suddenly we, we stop and think, where the heck am I even going? What am I doing? And I'm not sure about you, but when that happens, that's when I rely on the wisdom and experience of trusted friends and family. And, and their worldview is important. I rely on mature Christians deeply involved in the community of Jesus to help me see where God might be leading me. If you've never experienced that, you're missing out. You're missing out on some great things that God has planned for you and some major direction his community can give you. Jesus, the, the shepherd of the flock, is the truth, and the truth will set you free, free to be defended against the dangers that threaten us. Experience shows us that we cannot live life alone. From our, earth, from our first days, from the earliest days, we are completely dependent on someone else. And even as we grow older, we cannot, even on our own, defend ourselves against the temptations within and the world outside. I don't care how strong or powerful you think you are, the world can be a dangerous place. And we are all capable of actually adding to that danger. It's Jesus that can set us free from sin and evil and death. It's his community that keeps us accountable. His community that is a haven for healing. His community is a hospital for sinners and a training ground for saints. Jesus, the shepherd of our souls, is the life. That, that's actually why he came, that, that we could have life and have it to the full. That means a full life here and an everlasting life in the next. In Jesus, we find pasture and food. Earthly food, like five loaves and two fish, right? Or a ministry meal when we need it. My wife and I were so thankful that after our baby was born, for a couple weeks, every couple of days, someone from this community brought us dinner just to help out two overwhelmed, sleep-deprived parents. And I know right now in this community, a family is grieving the loss of a loved one. And I know people are here supporting just by bringing a meal. That's awesome. Because in this life, we, we need strength to keep us going. We need encouragement to persevere. We need food, 
spiritual sustenance to live life well and full of purpose. When we seek it elsewhere, our minds are still unsatisfied. Our hearts are still restless. Our souls are still unfed. We can gain strength for life only from him who is the living bread. And he gives himself to us, to his community. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is still gathering his community, his family, what we call the church. He says that we belong together. We're in this together and we bear one another's burdens and joys in love. So my brothers and sisters, if we put ourselves in the hands of Jesus and his community, there's no telling what he can do with us and through us and among us, all for advancing his kingdom now and forever. Amen.